Hello and welcome to the Rogue Chronicles. We're here today to talk about uh, a more unusual villain, um, one that's more rooted in horror, and that's the Badadook. Have I said that right? Uh, Liam's here to correct me anyway, so I'll... uh, Welcome, my co-host Liam Hall. Hello, Liam. Hello, Carl. It's lovely to be here. And and yes, well, you, you were you nearly right. It's for the Babadook. Babadook. Um, there yeah, we Babadook, go. Babadook. Um, so you, you you were nearly there. But um, yeah, I'm I'm really happy to be back here on Chronicles and my boys, my boys, my boys. I'm very very excited to get back into this. So um, yeah. So this is um maybe to the surprise of absolutely no one. Um, this is my suggestion. <laughs> what? I'm surprised. <laughs> yeah, if um, if you look at the kind of the ones that have released so far, I think it's quite. Um, if you know me, it's quite clear the ones that I've suggested. Yeah, um, apart from perhaps um, the um, Roy from Primal Fear, which is a a more unusual one I picked. Yeah, mm. pretty much the more obscure ones have have been uh, by Liam Hall. But there yeah. you go. That's. That's yeah, gives us a nice mix. Yeah, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, you know, Carl is my boss, and we 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 pretty much work on a four for him and one for me basis. So <laughs> I, just have, I I just have to take what I can get. But um, I I think it's nice to kind of deep, like delve deeper into some of the more lesser explored villains. Um, I mean, no one no one else wanted to do this pod with me, so I, I have to humour Liam to keep him on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, in fairness, this, this is part of the deal in which I sued you. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you gotta take what you get. But um, so a, a little bit about this film because I, I know you're not um, completely familiar with the background. So um, this is the directorial debut of Jennifer Kent, who was. Um, a former actress, and this is kind of an adaptation of her short film Monster, which kind of won a few awards at some minor short film festivals, and um, managed to raise two million to kind of get this um, funded. And um, it was it was a fairly decent success. I mean, it made back its budget, you know, five times. So it's for quite a small production. I think it's done a it's done a pretty good um, it's done a pretty good box office so to speak um but yeah i'll give you a little rundown of the plot so it's about um this woman called amelia um her husband has died in a car accident whilst they're going to hospital while she's during labor um and she's basically a single mother who's had to look after this son who's very difficult i think that's fair to say yeah yeah just a little bit He's like Liam on acid. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's one of those things where you, I, I think we've all kind of met those people who are like the, you know, they have to do the heavy lifting of um, the parenthood and the child is. I I feel like it's maybe slightly implied it's autistic, but he's never really um, it's never really explicitly said. Um, but yeah, so she's kind of struggling with her own grief whilst also having to manage this boy who's absolutely um insufferable sadly to say um and so one day she finds this book on the shelf called mr babadook which is um about a man who basically torments his victims um it's, it's supposed to be a children's book but it's a bit darker it's, it seems like something that um 
either me or Carl would write. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a little pop-up book, and um, it's very—it becomes very clear that it's quite twisted, and the book keeps popping up, and eventually we start to see small bits of of the Babadook popping up around, and he seems like he's almost a bit of a stalker, and this. It, it, there's a whole kind of thing like it, if it exists, if it's a figment of her imagination. Um, it's is it fair to say it's a bit of a strange kind of villain? It is. I mean, it, it more starts off with the boy. He, he starts talking about the Babadook and the, the Babadook will get you and mm. he starts acting up and blaming blaming the Babadook for it, basically. So it's almost like it's the child's excuse for his bad behaviour. Doesn't he uh, argue with a girl and push her out of a treehouse? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've done some nasty things in my time as a child, but never, never pushed a female friend out off a ten foot uh, treehouse before. <laughs> I have to admit, as, as bad as it would, I laughed so hard when that happened. <laughs> I think that says all you need to know about Liam Hall, really. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's weird kind of. I mean, you can slowly see Amelia start to lose her mind. She becomes very tense. She starts to swear at her child. She starts seeing cockroaches around the house. She finds glass in her food. Um, and she basically just sees, like, the Babadook just everywhere. Yeah, um, and it's hard to know if some of these things she's seeing are actually there or it's all sort of in her mind as well. It's it's sort of left open to interpretation almost. Yeah, which I, I really I really love stuff like that. when it, When it kind of it's ambiguous kind of what it is. Um, I, I mean, there's, there's, I feel like there's so many kind of readings you can hmm. look into this film with. I mean, I, I actually wrote an essay about this film at university, which was really kind of fun and interesting to kind of dive into, particularly comparing it to horror films from the past. Um, See, I, I wouldn't have been able to write about this film, even if I had gone to university, because, you know... You, uh, you, you can't write, yeah. <laughs> well, there's that, and I'd already been working for like 15 odd years by the time by the time it was released. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and, and also your um, your 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 attention spans it, it has been in the mud for years and years. But well, I've never had one. I've just, you know, ooh, what's that? Pretty shiny, shiny. <laughs> Come on, Carl. Pay attention, come on. What? Who? Where? I? What? <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it, basically the whole thing was her slowly losing her mind and the, the child kind of becoming more and more out of control. Um, and eventually we have a sort of exorcism where the Babadook is kind of expelled from her body um, and around her. And she, she basically... I mean, I might as well get into the main theory of this film. And, and the theory is that the Babadook is an allegory for grief. Um, I mean, you, you know, you, you kind of see, you kind of see, um, you see it everywhere. You see things that remind you of your partner. You see things that remind you of the Babadook. I mean, I, I love the costume of this because you just see kind of small bits of it everywhere. I, I don't know if you noticed this. Yeah, it's a very sort of, Unless it's more kind of villain, you don't you don't see heaps of the Babadook, 
but yeah, it's got quite a, a unique appearance. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 there's lots of theories online of kind of what it symbolises. Whether it's supposed to be look a bit like an Undertaker, if it's supposed to be, um, you know, if it's if it is supposed to look like her, you know, her, her deceased husband. Um, I mean, I mean, at one point she even talks to her husband in, in a vision um, before he's kind of has his head chopped off. Um, it's, it's, it's a very... Well, science normal so far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so yeah, I mean, the whole kind of film is kind of an allegory for grief. Um, and I guess she's kind of working through it for, for the whole time. And it's particularly difficult with her son and i mean the whole kind of you know she basically does everything like she at some you know she kills a dog which i mean is never really particularly nice and it seems at some point it's like she's gonna kill her son um, yeah she does seem to be sort of at a wit's end and as you say she's probably suffering all sorts of things as well say grief because her husband died probably probably um postnatal depression as well i should imagine mm. um it's all on top of you know, on top of each other. Um, you, you find a lot in these cases when someone loses a a partner due to childbirth or around that or or around that sort of time, the the child often reminds them of their partner as well, which which does lead to a a, a, a sort of loathing in a way of the of the child. Mm. Very complex. I'm not an expert on uh, psychiatric matters, even though I might talk like I think I am. <laughs> no, but I mean that is very true. And I think one of the things that this film does, and I think the Babadook is, it asks that question of like, you know, it is a very very touchy subject. Like, you know, no one really wants to talk about the fact that sometimes they want to kill their son or daughter, which which sounds absolutely fucking horrible. But you know, kind of what you mean, particularly when you're at your wit's end and you're. You know, you're really struggling with mm. this. I mean, I mean, you should know. I mean, your, your parents talk about it all the time, <laughs> I should imagine. <laughs> I mean, I, I've, I've talked about it with you many times. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so I, I really like that kind of uncomfortable question that I asked. And I mean, I, I showed my parents this film, which was, um, which was a mistake. And my mum... Bit like me when I showed my parents that porn film I made. <laughs> oh, God. I, uh, I mean, I've seen that, and that's nearly as terrifying as this. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, my mum, my mum absolutely despised this film, and it, it, like, I, I, if I ever mention it to the day, she kind of shivers. <laughs> Which I think says a lot about the power of like this. I mean, it's quite a small, low-budget film, and I think. You know, it, most of it just takes place inside a house. Sometimes that adds to it, though. I mean, people sort of turn their noses up at low-budget films, and um, I used to be one of them. But mm. one of the things, going off track a little bit, that really changed my mind was um, the original um, The Girls of the Dragon Tattoo films. They were sort of made in Sweden on a really low budget compared mm. to the Daniel Craig films. And um, I thought they they did a much better a uh, much better job of um, interpreting the book. And it also it gave the films a more real and grounded feel yeah. um, because it was another low budget. They they sort of like I don't know 
look like they filmed in real houses that look like they've been lived in, rather than when you see films in Hollywood that all you know they feel the houses always look completely spotless, don't they, all the time? <laughs> like <laughs> they've only just moved in. Uh, this case, well, this sort of had a more grounded feel, and the same with the Babadook. You know, you can tell it's low budget, but it works for the film. It, it feels more, it feels more gritty and and real. Mm. It's, it's more isolating, I think, as well. Mm. I mean, because I mean, the actual house itself is very, very creepy. And I, I think there's a lot of kind of, you can see a lot of influence of like Lars von Trier, even if you go back to like the 1930s German cinema. I, I can see kind of there's a lot of German expressionism in this. You know, the, the kind of meat on scene and the surrounding of the film kind of adds to the atmosphere. And there's no stars or big names in this film either, which is another testament mm. to how well it did at the box office as well, because it can be hard to attract an audience when, you know, there's, you know, there's um, not a big name attached to the film. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a risk. Or even a medical one, really, in this in this case. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the actors I mean... are great, but I mean, as in how well they're known. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think anyone's ever heard of... I mean, I can't even remember her name. Her name is Essie, Essie Davis. I thought yeah. she was fantastic in this film. Oh, yes, she is. But she's only been in a handful of, you know, films and mm. not many, you know, not, none of them really blockbuster types. So it's a yeah. testament to her that she was able to carry this film, basically. Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, I think one of the flaws of kind of this film, perhaps, is... Well, it's a flaw and also a strength. You don't really see the Babadook that much yeah I don't think it's a flaw I think it's I think it's really hard in these sort of horror films to find the correct balance of showing just enough of mm. um the, the the enemy the villain the demon um without showing too much or or without showing too or showing too little yeah a lot of it depends um, the film, the type of atmosphere you're going for. Um, you know, there's a lot of variables uh, for what for what you want to do. I mean, if you go to a film called Godzilla, you, you want to see Godzilla through <laughs> most of the film because mm. the the sort of the beast, you know, is the the idea of the film. But some of the Babadook, uh, what is a Babadook? You don't really know, so you, you can play about with it. And, I definitely feel it's one that works less is more. Yeah, it's that... it's you can it's more left to your imagination to really wonder what what this creature looks like. I mean, Jaws worked without seeing too much of the shark, but mm. that was mainly because Spielberg uh, thought the the prop shark looked horrendous, so he, he wanted to film it as little as possible. <laughs> well, I mean, it is something kind of similar with that. I mean. What I kind of meant partly of that is like you know in George you have that brilliant poster where you kind of see this massive shark and you're like oh my god holy shit. Whereas for the poster for the Babadook, I mean it's mostly just like a, a kind of silhouette. You don't really see the face mm. of the creature, which I'm I mean you really see throughout the film to be honest, isn't it? More like a of a shadowy mm. silhouette. Yeah, I mean, I see I mean the, sometimes that could be more chilling than actually seeing the creature outright. Yeah, that is true. I, I mean, there's one part in this film which I, I can't stand though, and that's when um, she's underneath the covers, and I think she sees like the Babadook on the ceiling, and this weird, it's this weird kind of stop motion sequence. I mean, it, it's it, it's kind of very kind of alien and, and a bit odd, but I, I think 
is one of the few things in a film which doesn't quite land for me. Mm, I didn't mind it so much. Um, but yeah, there's some, uh, some good bits. And some bits to the end as well where it sort of starts to manifest itself a bit more. Mm. Uh, it's like these big eyes, basically these big, these big eyes at one point, isn't it, in the house? Yeah, yeah, that is true. Um, I mean, that final scene where it's kind of like the final confrontation, confrontation, which is kind of is a bit of a thing in horror. You know, you, it's for the hero versus the villain, and she's like holding her son, and then she's like, "Get a, get the fuck away from this house," or whatever she fucking says. Mm. It's it's a very very cool and epic moment. Um, she's basically facing her fears, isn't she? Yeah, exactly. And um, you know, we get to the very very end of this film, and, and I think this kind of solidifies my belief that it is about um grief you know she's in the basement and she comes like face to face with the babadook again and she you know she feeds it. it it tries to attack her she calms it down kind of you know again she kind of feeds it and it, it, i guess it's kind of you know saying like you grief never really particularly goes away but you kind of have to kind of yeah. deal with it and just kind of you know accept that it is what it is and just look after it yeah she hasn't vanquished the fear but she's learned to control it and live with it mm. which is sometimes depending on what you know what's happened fear and grief it sometimes that's the best you can do really yeah and i i really like that end actually because i think that's quite a nice message about grief so to speak even if it's not like an explicit one mm. um yeah i but personally i i, I really love this film um, I, I thought I'd tell you a few other things about it. Um, there was a Christmas special of this um, of this thing, I think. Oh, right. Yeah, I can imagine a cheery <laughs> Babadook Christmas special. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, so that was, um, that was a bit unusual. Um, I, I don't know why. I, I remember the picture book was released as a special copy. Um, oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, which I really love, um, in fairness. And um, it's, I, I, I showed you the meme, didn't I? It's kind of been around the place. No, you were going to, but I don't think you did. Or did you? No, you did. Yeah, you I, did. Yeah, you I, did. Yeah, I showed you the meme about, like, um, why can't you be normal, which I've kind of seen kind of around different places. And it, uh, it's weird to kind of think, because it's such a small, you know, it's, it's a small Australian horror film, but it's quite funny to kind of see that meme being around the place. Um, so, yeah, and, and then the kind of final one, which I haven't told you about, which I think is quite funny, is based on a glitch that happened on Netflix where this film was put in the LGBT category. Oh, right. So now the film and the actual Babadook itself has become a gay pride symbol, which I, I think is, I think, I think that's kind of lovely. <laughs> it's quite funny. <laughs> but um, I mean, there had been a lot of interpretations about the queer subtext of the film. Which I, I I have to I haven't really looked into, but it's quite nice to see that this is I don't know how the hell it's happened, but it's nice that this kind of film has turned to quite a nice symbol. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I can't can't say I noticed much gay subtext in the uh, film, but I was like you said, I wasn't really <laughs> looking for it. So yeah, neither have I. Uh, I mean, but it is quite funny just seeing like this small kind of cartoon version of a Babadook wearing it like holding a, like a gay pride flag is is quite cute. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I I really love that. But actually, I meant to ask you. So, what was your first impression when you first saw this film? Um, 
It's hard to summarise because I did enjoy the film, but at times uh, there wasn't a great deal happening, and I do tend to switch off when I'm watching films. Mm. Well, anything, anything that's longer than half an hour, even TV shows, it's just the way I am because I do have a, a short attention span, and, and unless it's really gripping me, I will, I will sort of space out or start looking at my phone or <laughs> I find myself having to whiz back sometimes just to catch something important I missed because I wasn't concentrating on the film enough. But, yeah, mm. it, it, it's good. And I, I do like I do like um, the Babadook and what it, what it stands for and the uh, sort of aesthetic of it as well. And, and the fact it's rarely seen. I think for a small budget film, if we tried to... Of sort of costumed the villain or, or whatever, it, it probably mm. wouldn't have looked right and would have been anticlimactic. So I think they made the right decision in in how they made it. And there's also some good bits of the book I like. Uh, there's a bit where she ripped the book up and burnt it, mm. and then I, I'm not sure how much time elapsed. The, a day or so, the book is back, and it's it's been clearly taped back together as well. But it but it all opens up and pops up as it should do, and she's quite disturbed by that. And you would be as well if you thought you'd destroyed a book, and um, <laughs> it pops up. It's like a it is a bit of a horror horror trope, like when you unplug your TV, but it still comes on. Yeah. And you rip up a book, and then. Yeah, a couple of hours later, it's back on the table, all neatly repaired. <laughs> what's the thing? What's the thing? I, I think that's actually a very good point about. I really like that kind of element of it. I mean, you know, it's a very, it's a childish thing which has kind of been turned into something kind of malevolent and very kind of mm. ugly. I mean, you know, it returns with new like words and new kind of threats and new kind of. I mean, I think I remember one of the pop-ups is of her strangling her child. And yes, slitting yes. her neck. Which is a terrifying image to kind of see. Mm. In a what's what that? What's that doing in a children's pop-up book? <laughs> I, I'll never know. Oh, but it is. It's something kind of. There's something very cool about that. It's, it's a very. It's a very nice idea. I, I kind of wish that, um, someone actually would do that for another film and kind of develop that because I think that's a very, very kind of interesting way to kind of frighten mm. someone. But um, yeah, I, I think again, like you said. It, it, Less is more, and even though we don't see the Babadook a lot, full costume, I think it is nice having these kind of small bits and pieces that kind of, you know, represent him. Is is the Babadook like a, an Australian myth or legend, or is it something just out of the director's head? I think it, I, I believe it's just out of her. Um, I believe it's just out of her head. I'll, I'll have a little, little look now. Because the way the film's portrayed and uh, the fact that it's Australian, I just wondered if it was some sort of Australian urban legend or something, or perhaps it's based on something along those lines. I was meant to look it up, but I, I've forgotten. I've only just thought about it now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, as far as I'm aware, I. I think it's uh, an original... Um... You keep talking. I'll just Google and see what I can work out. Yeah, that's all right. But from what I imagine, I think it's um, an original... Um, I, think it's I mean, original your, your idea, your idea, and you don't even know. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I think I think it's just, you know, it's one of those villains that someone just makes up. And it, I, I guess it, it I guess it comes from things that come far in society, whether it's, you know, I mean... Whether it is an undertaker, whether it is a priest, whether it's a dead husband, I think it's, it's one of those kind of. It's a very kind of cartoony kind of copper, like 
pop-up book character. Um, I'm, I'm trying to stall a bit more here. Um, oh, wow, well, the, the guy who did cinematography has a very cool name. I like his name. Radek Ludzuk. Ladzuk. Yeah, it does. I don't know. Oh. It does look like it was, um, yeah, a, a sort of an original idea. Mm. But I mean, I mean, the fact that you that you even like thought that it could be something else, I think that says a lot about it as well. I mean, yeah, it says it says here that um, Kent said right back right in the screenplay that she sought to tell a story about facing up to the darkness within ourselves, the fear of going mad, and then exploration of parenting from a, a real perspective. Which pretty much sums things up, to be fair. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I thought that was a very, very good. Um, I thought it was a very good summary, to be fair. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that's quite nice. Um, I mean, well, the film itself isn't particularly nice, but it also it's very nice to see kind of lots of people kind of praise this film. Because um, I, I think if it didn't get praise from people like Mark Kermode or William Freakin, um I uh, I don't think I don't think I would have ever seen. I don't think it would have ever been added to Netflix. So um, you know, uh, good, good, good for her. No. She also said that the man in the beaver hat from the 1927 lost film London After Midnight was an inspiration for the design of the Babadook. Oh, okay, that's interesting. I, I haven't actually seen that. Hmm. You know, actually, now now I think about it, it, it he does look a bit like um, Jack Ripper. Do you think it's something mm. to do that? Perhaps, perhaps. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure that it, there's loads of influences. But I, I guess with that... Uh, yeah, I can imagine there probably isn't something like that. It's like a very scary, um, <clears throat> almost like slenderish man with a top hat and sort mm. of more like talons and, and fingers cloaked in a dark, dark overcoat, I suppose. It's mm. very sort of... Very sort of subtle and scary. There's something very uncanny valley about him. Like, like mm. he, he feels very human, but at the same time, he doesn't. You know. I mean, it reminded, as I said to you, it reminded me of an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer where um, there's a monster called um, Dark Hindustad that preys on uh, young children in a hospital. And it's basically um, a play on children's fears of adults and, uh, and the unknown. Oh, I, and, that had a, that. and that had a sort of similar, a similar look, tall, thin, top hats, and um, sort of tal- almost like talon-like fingers. Okay. How, how, how do you spell that? I'm actually kind of intrigued to see what that looks like. Uh, oh God, it's it's like kindergarten, da and Kinderstadt. Oh, it's, okay. It's uh, just German for children, I think, or child killer or something like that. I think they say in the. Uh... Oh, okay. You know, actually, it kind of reminds me of in a weird way. It kind of reminds me of um Seven, you know, the failed Dustin Rhodes um mm. gimmick. It looks kind of similar to that, actually. Now that I think about it. Um, which, which reminds me, I actually need to watch that Buffy Vampire Slayer. But anyway, I, I guess with that, I guess we should probably get on to the rating. Yeah, definitely. All right. So um, I, I guess for number one, Fear Factor. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what your rating for this is. 
Um, what what book did we start off on? Sorry, there, uh, there we go. Me not concentrating. Fear factor. I'd say nine. It's very scary, and it's all. I mean, it it might be more in your mind than physical, but that can be even more scary sometimes. So, mm. I'm going to go for a nine. Yeah, I, I think that's. I, I think that's a very fair one. Um, I, I mean, this this absolutely terrified me when I first saw it. So I'm very tempted to give it a ten. Um, I think I, I'm going to be. I, I think I'm going to give it a nine as well. Um, all right. So I, I'm feeling this one is also going to be quite high. Complexity of character. I think I'm probably going to going to go for a ten because I think it's mm, best. I don't know. The, the film itself isn't that complex of a character. It's more of the the characters in and around the actual villain. So I'm going to say about a seven. Oh, fair enough. I, I think I'm going to stick. Personally, I'm going to stick with my 10 because I feel like there's quite a lot to like the idea of the Babadook, I guess. Yeah, that's it. There's more of the idea than the actual character itself. So that's why I'm just going to go for a seven. But there's it's still mm. something there, no doubt. Yeah, I get that. All right. So I guess um, I'm going to move on to power slash threats. Um, I don't really know how to measure this one in all, in all honesty. But the threat, I mean, because it's all, if, if it's what we're saying, like a subconscious thing, well, the threat can be quite quite big in a sense. It's, it's, as, it's as bad as you can imagine it to be. Mm. So I'm going to go for an eight. Yeah, I feel like eight is probably quite fair. I mean, he, um, you know, he, he, he makes her do some really horrible things at some points. And I think, you know, I, I mean, he almost wins. Mm. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, I think that's a fair one. Um, aesthetic, I, I don't know if this is my, my bias coming through, but I think I'm personally going to give it a 10, I think. I think, I think there is a bit of a bias coming through a bit, but it's, um, it is, it is quite a cool and scary looking, but I have seen scarier. So I'm mm. going to go for, I'm, I'm going to go for a seven. Yeah, that's fair. I, I just really like how the, Aesthetic is kind of used throughout the film, and kind of there's a lot of layers to the aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like it, but it's not it's it's not super original. It is scary, but it's not it's not super original. And I have seen mm. better. So, yeah, that's fair enough. Um, I right, so I think this is going to be probably the lowest part of this. Um, and that's impact in pop culture. I mean, the fact you've studied it in um, in university, it must have. Some impact, but it's it's very recent, only 2016. So you can't sort of compare it with any sort of longevity. So, mm. so I'd I'd say a, f- a five. I mean, it's obviously had some, but I don't think it's had a, a a massive impact personally. Yeah, that's fair. I think five is, I think five is probably fair enough. I mean, you know, it, it, something like this is always going to have a bit of a limit on it because it's a bit more of an art house film and. But you know, it's, it's, you've seen it in, mil- in f- memes and stuff, and yeah, yeah, definitely. As I say, it, it has had Im- so, some impact, but I wouldn't say it's anywhere near the likes of a Darth Vader or a Norman Bates or a or a Joker. And it and it's mm. it's a relatively recent, like what six, seven years old. So yeah, that that is true. Or maybe so, uh... five. I mean, at my age, time just bleeds into each other. You lose track. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be five in in a little bit. I think. From what, yeah, I think you said 2016. So I think that's right. So, um, yeah, okay. So, uh, I mean, again, I think 
you know, people at home might think it's just slightly lower than it is. But I mean, I have to be honest, I think this is my fa- my favourite horror film, my ho- favourite horror film, horror villain. So I think, I mean, I can't lie about my bias. But, um, you know, but I think... Well, you're being honest. At least you're being honest about it. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 personally, I think some of it is pretty great, in fairness. Um, but so it's now, um, it got 78. That's not bad going, is it? Yeah, which is ahead of Norman Bates and just under Green Goblin. Um, so I feel I feel like that's not completely unfair, in all honesty. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I I think considering what the film is and kind of you know it's not as well known as some of these other villains, I think that's I think it's it's, it's done fairly well. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, not a score to be sniffed at. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I guess with that, I guess we should get to the plugs. I've, I've really enjoyed this episode, I have to say. I'm glad we were able to do it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so you can find me at uh, Carlos underscore Fire 80 at Instagram and Twitter. You can find us at Rogue underscore opinions on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, iTunes, all good podcasting platforms. And make sure you check out uh, the TV quiz that uh, Scott McDonald hosted. It's well worth a listen, especially for some of Liam's answers in uh, <laughs> in that quiz. Uh, check out our other Road Chronicle um podcasts we've got Darth Vader Daleks and Norman Bates out so far and many more to come check out Banter Munich where we're joined by little rogue Reese where we talk about football and he has plenty of grief to talk about when he, <laughs> when he tells <laughs> into the misfortunes of his beloved West Bromwich Albion and we have lots of joy so <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, and um, I mean, basically what you said, I I think that is my favorite podcast that we've done. Actually, the um, the quiz, I I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, but, um, it's a lot of fun. But similar similar to the Phantom Unit that we recorded a few days ago, which I mean, I think it's might come out a bit later. Um, I, I'm still kind of reading from the stuff that's been going on this week, particularly to do with women and. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm going to plug Women's Aid. So women's yeah. underscore aid. Um, you, can, you can follow them on Twitter. Excellent. Yeah, yeah I mentioned those pods, but by the time this one comes out, you might have to scroll back into the back catalogue a fair bit to find them. But they'll be well worth your time. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, check out everything that Rogue Opinions has on, on offer. We, we have lots of great podcasts and lots of great personalities. So yeah. Yeah. All right, I certainly do. Bye for now. Bye.